Hi, this is Megan C with GRC and me. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Andres and Peter from Wiz Air. We talk about Dora, what it is and how it compares to NIS2. We talk about the concept of organizational responsibility and when and why organizations should start now. And here is my conversation with Peter and Andres. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Andres and Peter. Hi, Megan. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having us. Of course. This is a really highly anticipated episode. I know what we're about to talk about um, today is something that I have been hearing about in all of the circles in which I've been at conferences, in customer meetings, even internally. Everyone wants to talk about Dora. What is it? How does it impact organizations inside and outside of the EU? Um, and what should we be doing as businesses to be Dora ready? So we would love to hear from both of you because I don't want to steal the thunder, but you both are um, very well familiar with this topic and experts in this space. I would love for you both just spend a moment to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to lean in and and, um, and really be such an influential aspect to the Dora not only regulations, but but also this Dora um, conversation today. So, Andres, I'll start with you if you'll share a little bit about your background sure. and your involvement in GRC, and uh, and then we'll pass to you, Peter. Yeah. So I started my GRC career, so to speak, at four uh, big four companies here in Hungary, uh, doing mostly IT audits. So I was basically involved in the compliance part of GRC at the beginning. Then I moved to the US and I was working for Coca-Cola for their internal IT audit function where I was leading IT audits all around the globe on four continents. And then I moved back to Hungary and I've been a freelancer uh, since then. Uh, now uh, working for Vizair, it's a low-cost aviation company based in uh, Budapest, Hungary. And uh, this is how uh, Dora and uh, NIS2 came into the picture uh, as NIS2, that is basically the twin brother of Dora, is uh, in scope for us as, uh, as being a, an aviation company. So uh, we are critical infrastructure from this uh, legislation perspective. And uh, yeah, we need to get ready and we are using LogicGate to get ready for this. That's fantastic. I think a lot of folks will have a lot to learn from you today about how you were thinking about that and even how you went to market to research platforms and, and tools and resources for it. So um, we'll save that. We'll come back to you, Andreas, on that. And then Peter, tell us about your background and then your connection to Dora. <laughs> Uh, so I will start uh, from the from the fireplace. So uh, basically, uh, I started my career uh, approximately twenty years ago as uh, IT operations manager. Uh, worked for some international companies such as Samex, with a concrete and aggregate giant and call center companies. And uh, at Samex, uh, I had a milestone in my career because. Uh, when I was acting as an IT operations manager, I challenged the actual BC manager. And the director said, don't challenge, don't criticize, do it. And I became a BC manager. Uh, uh, and in that time, 
that company hired an external consultancy company, uh, which is quite uh, uh, knowledgeable uh, in this area. And they recognize that I am not good for IT manager. I am better for BC manager. And I uh, joined uh, Control It, it's a German company. And basically, I started my group, Clotter Freelancer Life, uh, working for Lufthansa Systems, Deutsche Bank, uh, Belgium Post. And once I uh, gave up the freelancer li life, I uh, went uh, to the European Commission for three years as security as business quantity manager. Uh, after that period, uh, I visited Germany for three years and I'm working for Bosch Siemens Home Appliance Group as uh, supply chain risk manager. And after that, here I am. Uh, so what, what is my relation with GRC? Uh, uh, I had a feeling um, somewhere 10 years back that BCM is not enough for me. I want to see another uh, management system such as information security and uh, third party risk management or, or vendor management. And uh, I found a very good approach how to integrate those uh, siloed management system. The answer was GRC. and. Uh, uh after that i visited uh the oceg uh who is uh, the inventor of the grc red burgundy book and from that point i consider myself as a grc guy uh so i would say i have seven years experience in grc and here at Vizer, i try to spread the message and uh let's say my point of view about these complex topics uh, Dora, I think it's another point what I want to uh, touch. So uh, reading the preliminary specification of uh, NIS2 and Dora looks very, very complex, but uh, uh, I think the best practice would be disassemble this complex stuff uh, into the elementary uh, building blocks such as BCM. Uh, third-party risk management, information security management, uh, because in my eyes, DORA is nothing new. Uh, DORA is an integrated uh, requirement of those three pillars. And uh, basically, uh, the companies who are falling into the scope of DORA, uh, financial institutions, they should have BCM in place for sure. They should have IT service continuity in place, information security and third party, but probably it's not integrated. And uh, here came into the playground such a tool uh, which is flexible enough to integrate the existing building blocks and uh, uh, practice governance over those elements. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we're going to touch a little bit more on the impact too that it'll provide businesses, but for those that are listening or less familiar with DORA, the Digital Operational Resilience Act, um, it is, a, as the gentlemen have shared, it's a regulatory framework in the EU, and it's going to combine a number of existing regulations with some new ones. So my question to you both is, how do you think this will impact businesses both inside the EU, but then also globally outside the EU? Because similar to the GDPR, it is something that multinational organizations should be mindful of should be ready for? How do you see this impacting not just organizations that operate in the EU, but globally? 
basically, uh, the, the tricky part of DORA is uh, the original scope is the financial institutions, but uh, they are third party vendors and suppliers who are contributing into the uh, critical financial services. They also have to be compliant. So at the end of the day, uh, the whole supply chain of the financial institutions shall be covered. Uh, and I think it would be very difficult to find a company who is not part of this game. So uh, the scope is bigger than it seems uh, at the first look. Yeah. And just and, anything to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just uh, refer to the NIS2 requirement that is very similar to DORA with a different organizational scope because instead of financial institutions only, uh, in its scope, it covers uh, all critical infrastructure companies. And uh, similarly to DORA, it also has a cascading effect on the supply chain of uh, these mm. companies, as supply chain security is also included in this requirement. And uh, the companies that fall into the scope of this um, uh, regulatory requirement would need to make sure that their suppliers are also compliant with the requirements. So if the supplier is outside the EU, the supplier still would need to comply with the requirements regardless of the territorial scope of this uh, regulation in the EU. Well, and I've heard you both speak about that. And, and Peter, I know we talked about that, the kind of the influence, the origin of DORA and that connection to NIS, but we talked a little bit about um, Comparatives. What are some differences between the two bills? Because I think the NIS two for critical infrastructure is also in negotiations right now. So, what do you see as the difference between the two? So, um, basically, uh, there are no not a lot of uh, difference. So, I, I would say ninety five percent of the required controls are are identical. Uh, mm, but uh, the reporting requirement. Is, is more stringent uh, on, the, on the financial part. Uh, and uh, the financial institution uh, should or shall have uh, more critical applications so in, in terms of criticality level. But basically, uh, uh, NIS2 can cover the NIS2 scope and 95% of the financial institutions. Uh, what right. I would add on the top of this is that uh, the tricky part is that these two regulations, DORA and NIS2, are EU-level uh, regulations. And then what these regulations say that each member state should formulate their local legal requirement um, based on the uh, EU-level requirement. And these member state level requirements are not there yet fully. For example, in Hungary, on the 31st of May, uh, came out the uh, NIS2 localized version in our local Hungarian legislation, but we don't have that for DORA yet. So uh, to see exactly the differences between the two, we would need to see the local member state level regulations. At this point, we just have the high-level picture that the EU-level regulations show us. Interesting. And I, you both mentioned in your introductions your background and your evolution into GRC, the GRC market. And, and the GRC market 
there is technology, there are platforms out there that help organizations um, provide process improvement to their programs. Why do you guys both think that GRC platforms or programs are vital for organizations who are facing um, DORA, NIS2, GDPR? What is it about um, having true digital, you know, operalization or, or digital improvement or, or what is it about improving or having visibility into your GRC program that might help organizations who are facing these regulatory requirements? I think we can, we can list some uh, ugly use cases uh, that can uh, justify the need of uh, some platform uh, which is operating on an integral way, because uh, I saw several examples when uh, a technical expert reported something which was classified as red, and uh, during the road uh, up to the board level, the color just changed through yellow to green. So the integrity somehow uh, compromised during the reporting part. So I think uh, it, it's one real life example. Another example is if you are talking about uh, the siloed management systems, such as business continuity, information security, and I can list a lot of uh, management systems. At some places, uh, those management systems has an own separated supporting let's say tool, which can uh, be from Microsoft Excel to specific uh, function specific applications, but they are not integrated. And basically uh, each management systems somehow should be connected to the organization resources. What is that? It's a well-educated CMDB. So why should we duplicate those sources? We shouldn't we should set up something centralized stuff, which is running on an authoritative data source. And basically that's GRC. Uh, when we are talking about GRC, we can, we can uh, think that it's a complex stuff, but I think it's, it's better if we simplify what is GRC. GRC is a risk-based decision-making uh, that taking into account the risk and uh, acting according to the risk decision. And uh, the GRC platform is supported with a very customizable workflow. For me, that is GRC. Whatever you can support with a, a unified platform and you can call it GRC. Well, you mentioned uh, something there. Yeah, Andres, do you want to share anything on that? I know you've yeah, looked at the um, market in this space and seen a lot of solutions. Yeah, um, so basically just uh, on top of what Peter has mentioned, uh, I would point out that uh, in NIS2, it, it basically says that if a company is providing services in more than one member state of the EU, then this company would need to comply with all those local regulations uh, related to NIS2 that are established in, in those member states. So. If, we are, if I think about Vizair, the company that I work for now, Vizair provides its services throughout Europe. So we would need to probably comply with all those local regulations, maybe 
17 different regulations, uh, similar regulations, but probably not 100% uh, exact same regulations. And I think this is also a great benefit of using a tool like LogicGate. Uh, when we think about control compliance, then we could, we can, with LogicGate, we can map out controls uh, that are the same, and then we can establish this uh, holy grail of control testing that we, we test once and we comply with many control requirements. So uh, with this control mapping that can be achieved using LogicGate, uh, we can reduce the work that we would need to uh, do to ensure compliance with all those local regulations. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big benefit, and and it's it would be really difficult to um, achieve the compliance role without a GRC tool for a company like Visa that operates or provides services in many member states of the EU. Well, you both spoke about it. It's it's the efficiency gains. It's avoiding redundant work. It's also seeing the gaps of compliance. Where are you um, as across the different frameworks or the the own your own bespoke regulations that you have? Um, but also, Peter, you talked about it too. Is bringing teams together, um, reducing the silos. Well, I was just at the conference this week, and everyone is echoing that. We still feel siloed. People feel siloed. They're not sharing information or um, or data in a meaningful way to help make decisions in the business. And so I think you you both spoke to some key value outcomes that customers and the market's looking for when you think about store readiness, but more importantly, just GRC, the health of a GRC program and having a, a good visibility into the overall risk and, and compliance posture of the business. So, um, so Andres, staying with you for just a moment, um, when it does come to evaluating the market. So you've identified a need or you're faced with an um, impending new legislation or a requirement and you know you need to maybe change the way that you're running your program and processes today. You know you want to Im- Im- insert some technology to drive efficiency and, vis- and um, visibility. How do you go about evaluating tools? It is... Um, especially tools that are going to help you monitor and address compliance. It's a long process, I'm sure, to go about thinking about where to start. It probably requires um, support and validation from both technical business um, stakeholders and non-technical business stakeholders. So how did WizAir go about this process? How did you navigate this evaluation? Basically, uh, before before we jump into the details, uh, I think it's very important to mention that of course, we knew uh, what we wanted, but we also knew what we didn't want. So uh, uh, basically, uh, the driver of the of the listing, what we do not want, uh, uh, based on my former experience uh, with other platforms, uh, I worked uh, four years with uh, other big uh, GRC uh, platform. And it was quite rigid, so we uh, didn't want to get a rigid and uh, non-flexible enough uh, uh, platform. I think it was one driver, and of course, um, we wanted to have a modern platform, uh, which is SaaS, of course. And uh, we were looking for a flexibility, flexibility, and uh, an ability to customize the platform because uh, we really want to be independent uh, from the from the software developer. Uh, we don't want to uh, wait for response. Uh, we want to be able to own 
the system. Yeah, I would just add another uh, aspect to this, uh, and that is price. So Visa is a ultra low cost uh, air carrier company and very cost sensitive, or better to say not cost sensitive, but sensitive to the cost benefit ratio. And uh, and we, we spent a lot of time on analyzing this. So we did POCs with several products and uh, of course, we got their pricing too, and then when we compared what the tool could provide for 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 the value, then I think Logic Gate came in first. So that was also a decisive factor for us, uh, a very good uh, uh, value to price ratio. Uh, we wanted to have something future proof, and uh, here uh, the risk quantification came into the ground. Uh, because uh, currently uh, the old-fashioned risk management is, is the fashion, uh, so to say. And uh, we wanted to have something uh, that can work five years later uh, when uh, the maturity of the, the company reached that level when we can introduce risk quantification. And uh, we also want to use risk quantification uh, for educating the management. So it's, it, currently it's a nice to have, but we use it as a tool to change their uh, imagination about the risk, what they, uh, they should manage. And uh, in LogicGate, it's a built-in and excellent quality risk quantification module. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you've shared that with our team before, Peter, about how, I mean, cyber risk is only getting more complex. We're seeing it's more requirements, of course, but just the importance of managing risk posture, it's just going to demand of us all working in GRC a higher level of understanding from all stakeholders and a higher level of support from all stakeholders. And so when it comes to the work that you're doing and where you see the maturity of the program going, um, yeah, the importance of having a common language. We talk about, you know, having a financial common language of the decisions that are being happened or the impact of risk within the business that will just support and increase the speed of decision-making and um, competitive value positioning and on all of that. So um, I'm glad to see that you are thinking about that future-proofing aspect. Um, what advice do you have for folks who say, you know, yeah, I, we really haven't thought about risk quantification yet or you know, we're not ready for it. Um, would you share any advice about, you know, what should they be thinking about or how maybe should they approach that within their own organization? I would have a starting thought for this and then um, Peter, I'm sure we'll have more. So I think one of the um, the ground rules here that uh, currently Visa and I think most companies as well are doing like reactive risk management in a sense that we are managing risks that we see appear but we are not managing risk in a way that top management would establish the risk appetite of the company. And then we as risk managers would need to make sure that we are below that risk appetite or we are hitting the risk appetite and not higher than that. And I think it's the, the only way to achieve that is with risk quantification because management wouldn't say that, okay, uh, I, my my risk appetite is that is is that we shouldn't have risk higher than medium because that just doesn't work. They would probably set a threshold amount, and then we would need to make sure that cyber risk is less than the 
the amount that they established. And the only way to achieve that is, is with risk quantification. Uh, I think this would be one, one important point uh, for the future. I think this is where risk management is going. And, um, and, and I really think that uh, risk quant is the only way to achieve this. Peter, what do you think on that? Uh, I am, uh, I'm not an enemy of coloring uh, red, yellow, green. But uh, some months ago, uh, I composed a presentation uh, which uh, were targeting this approach. And I raised a simple question. So what is the sum of two and three? I think the answer is simple, five. But try to add yellow and green. And I, I think I, I said everything what I wanted. That's exactly it. Well, I, even earlier in the episode, you talked about how you observed in another organization where it was started as red. And then over time, through the communication up to the board, it changed. The color changed, right? Um, financial impact, you can measure it, you can monitor it, and you can speak about it in common language. It's not red. It's not magenta. It's not orange. You know, it is truly an actual um, financial impact to business. So, Yeah. Um, and where where do you say you know where do you see um, so folks you mentioned Dora is it's a it's a combination of the aspects that a strong cyber and risk program should be doing today business continuity risk management controls management um, how do you think you know let's say an organization is just a little less mature on their journey towards understanding Dora. Where should people go? Where do you, what advice do you have about where folks can just kind of follow along as this um, as this requirement evolves over time? As we saw with GDPR, it kind of took different flavors in different different um, nations. And as you saw in the U.S., you know, we started to create different privacy perspectives for different states. Where do you recommend, or where will you guys go to continue to learn about the evolution of Dora or um, iterations of Dora. So b basically, uh, we learn uh, from outside as well because the regulators uh, listening to the requirements, for sure. And in the same time, we have to educate the organization where we are working. But uh, I think we have to uh, uh, identify the root cause of the low level of maturity. I think uh, the main uh, root cause of the low level of maturity that a big company thinks that. Uh, security somewhere in the basement and in the specific corner can take care but it's not true because uh, all of the aspect of dora or other uh, grc elements are uh, organizational responsibility and uh, you cannot manage organization-wide programs uh, without centralized data and mature workflow system. I think the big uh, jump uh, from the old-fashioned and uh, old-tooled uh, management systems is something that uh, relying on a reliable database and very well-designed and as simple as possible workflows. And in the same time, uh, the whole organization will be involved and it will not be as painful as it was uh, when some people in the basement, in the specific corner, try to do something. Andres, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that um, this Dora readiness or this 
this initiative does require organizational responsibility across functions, across silos? Do you feel like it's going to be a collaborative effort? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, starting from the point that management is made responsible for resiliency uh, in NIS2, definitely. So similarly to the SOX in the UK, now it's really management is made responsible for 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 ensuring compliance with the requirements and i think this also has a cascading effect because if a cfo or, or i don't ceo is made responsible he will definitely delegate this responsibility down the line and then it would probably then hit operational management level as well uh, i'm quite sure about that because resiliency is really everybody's job so it's not it security not cyber security it's not it operations it's all it, it's all around um, so it, it's it's definitely something that the whole organization will be affected by well you just spoke about it i think that is a hot topic and a desired state for so many organizations around the world which is a state of operational resilience and a place of a proactive approach to security and risk and compliance. I love, Peter, what you'd mentioned about, you know, you can't do this without centralized data and centralized workflows, getting people together, sharing information, um, and ideally one central resource. Um, all right. So for the topic for today, I, you know, just wanted to open it up to both of you. If there's any other aspects of Dora that you think would be um, interesting or important to leave our listeners with today um, as we close out our conversation. Any any final closing thoughts? Yeah, if 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 I can say something, it would be that I I wouldn't be afraid of the Dora requirements because as I as I as I stated, a uh, uh, high percentage of the requirements shall be fulfilled uh, at the moment. I think the key uh, next step is the integration of the siloed elements uh so basically that's that's the that's the main comment what i would add and uh i think uh if organ some some organization choose a grc platform to support dora uh, they will gain more benefit uh, than they expect because uh, of course uh uh, in a certain period of time, they will uh, uh, support the management systems work um, operations, but uh, the whole organization will reduce their frustration because the whole story became objective. Just imagine uh, in, in the past or probably at some companies uh, at the present, uh, they can negotiate on the corridor, uh, but with uh grc platform which is operating on facts and driven by workflows you you cannot be angry on other people you you can see your task you have to fulfill and move forward but in the past yeah hi uh, how are you i have something in the risk register what do you think i think it's high no it's medium and and at the end it remained medium and nobody will touch it yeah, from my end, uh, I'm really looking forward to see the local regulations coming out for for the member states, both for DORA and the IS2, because I think that will be the point when we will really know what is uh, required 
and uh, what we would need to comply with. So get uh, getting ready for that now, I think it's it's a good time to start because we still have more than a year or almost two years to 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 get ready. But if we don't start working on it now, uh, we'll be uh, probably um, in a bad position um, by the time the regulations come out. Uh, because as Peter mentioned, uh, most organizations falling under uh, DORA or NIS2 uh, are already required by some local re registrations um, uh, to comply with similar requirements. But um, this is an integrated approach and putting the puzzle together takes time. So I think it's a good time to start now, uh, even though the re local, local regulations are not out yet, but the, the, the skeleton is out. And based on that, I think that the work can be started. And this is what I would propose to anyone who, who, who is affected by these two regulations. I think that's great advice. You'd rather be proactive and ready have an understanding of where you are, a baseline understanding versus having to catch up for, and balancing the other priorities that the business has for you. So wonderful. Peter, Andrea, thank you for sharing your insights and your perspective on DORA. Um, as we continue to hear, learn more about DORA and to your point, the impact and the specific um, aspects to the member states will be interesting to follow along. But thank you both for your time today and we enjoyed our discussion. Thank you, Megan. To continue the conversation, follow Logigate on LinkedIn and visit Logigate.com to check out our event. Join us live throughout Europe as we discuss how to prepare for DORA. And for those local to the UK, join us every third Thursday for GRC and T here in London. Lastly, for our customers, you can visit Risk Cloud Exchange or rcx.logigate.com to download our application today to support your DORA readiness efforts. For the next time, this is Megan Fee with GRC and Me.